0: Good morning, church. Welcome to Centerville Community today. It's a unique uh, day with the chairs up front and the, and the, uh, the high-top table. Um, but just a moment, we're going to invite our, our weekend uh, guests that Jeff and Shante Feldon have been with us all weekend. Uh, incredible uh, researchers. And honestly, uh, as yesterday, as we were listening, and I was trying to listen really attentively. Um, the other thing I was doing was just thanking God for them and the gift they are to the church because we believe uh as so many of it marriage is like it's the it's the number two most important relationship you'll ever have in your life next to God. And um God made us to be relational beings. And uh what greater thing could we do as Christ followers than to um just to evaluate how things are going there and and, and learn some tools to put in our toolbox so we can grow. And be the person that God has called us to be. There's no other relationship in the world on this planet Earth that will that will help you form into the image of God like a marriage will. It, it just it grows you. It shows you things you didn't know about yourself. And God uses that uh, as really the fabric of all of all society. So we want to be a church that uh, does that well. Uh, so every year we're going to have a weekend where we where we cheer on uh, marriages and grow together. It's not like the other 51 weeks we're going to say you can do what you want. Um, but that one weekend a year, we will, uh, we'll cheer that on. We'll do it again next year. Hey, let's invite uh, Shante Feldon up to the stage. Give her a big hand. <laughs> Shante and her husband live in Atlanta. Jeff had to take off last night after the marriage conference. Incredible day. Um, for for those that were able to make it, and if you weren't able, you can come next year. I don't know if it'll be the the, the, the Feldins, but um, it'll be a great weekend again. Uh, both of them graduate degrees at Harvard, um, social researchers. Uh, Jeff is uh, is is also an attorney and also in the tech startup world, and uh, just a couple that I said earlier as a gift to the church. So today, uh, what we were talking a little bit about earlier is we're just gonna we're gonna talk her and I have a conversation and. And uh, she's going to spill all kinds of great stuff to you, and you get to listen, and it's going to be really good. And, and uh, as you leave today, she has a book table out there. They've sold well over 2 million of their books and speak all around the country and all around the world. And uh, we're excited to hear from her again today. We're going to talk about some of the myths. Uh, that, that We live in a world where there's a lot of false information out there. Everywhere you turn, uh, somebody's giving you a fact that's either twisted or, or not quite right. And uh, she addressed so many of them with the good news about marriage, and that's what we're going to start out with today, is looking at uh, some truths in this book of some myths that uh, we uh, tend to believe and tend to think that are that are just true. And uh, she said, I'm not sure those are all true, so she did a research-based book called The Good News About Marriage, and uh, I'll let her just share for a little bit kind of the why behind this <laughs> awesome book. So.
1: It, you know, it's interesting. It's all about our perceptions of marriage, you know. And I, this, I stumbled over this um, a number of years ago back in, um, you know, 2006, 2007. I was a newspaper columnist um, back when there were newspapers. Um, <laughs> and, what, and it was interesting. I was doing a column that had to deal with divorce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a researcher, I thought, you know, I, I need to actually correctly cite the divorce rate, you know, everybody knows it's about 50%, but, you know, maybe it's not actually 50, right? Maybe it's 48.7 or whatever. So, you know, I decided, okay, I need to go look it up at the Census Bureau, whatever. And really quickly, like, two things happened. I realized this is an incredibly complicated area. Like, there's no easy way to figure out what the divorce rate actually is yeah. um, precisely um, but also, everything that I was seeing didn't match the conventional wisdom about a 50% divorce rate. And as I got into this further, and I kept going, wait a minute, like, if that's true, that's a really big deal. Yeah. And that's what started me on this this path. It took about eight years, honestly. To, wow. to, it took really four years to dig into it enough that I could even start to... understand it enough to analyze it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God would not let me stop.
0: One of those, you're going to complete this because I (laughs) called you to do it. Tell me why, I mean, why on earth, why does it even matter? I mean, honestly... The facts just get thrown out left and yeah. right. We believe some. We don't believe others. Why, I mean, for you to say this matters enough, we need to do some well, actual yeah. research on this. It,
1: here's, honestly, here's what I started to go hold on why it matters is because, you know, you, you we were talking yesterday in the, in the marriage conference with me and Jeff. We we talk to so many people, and we talk to people in coffee shops and on airplanes and just random people and listen to their hearts and their stories about their marriages or their parenting or whatever. And we had seen that there in all of the studies we had done that there's this one common denominator under whether a marriage makes it or not. Just one. And there's many factors that cause problems or not. Mm -hmm. But under which outcome happens it's whether the couple has a sense of hope or a sense of futility. Hmm. And it's like you can be having a really difficult time in your marriage. If you're, if you're in a difficult season, but if you, if you kind of know, if you say, you know what, this is tough, but we're going to make it, yeah. you generally do. Yeah. The problem comes when you start thinking, you know what, if the ship is going to sink anyway why bother working so hard to bail it out? Like, it's better to try to use all that energy to escape the wreck intact. Mm -hmm. And so I started to see this 50% divorce rate of that itself has been causing this culture-wide feeling of futility about marriage. You know, where it just makes it easy when you get into trouble to think, well, half of everybody else couldn't make it either. You know, it just makes it easy to, to... sort of give up. And, and instead, what I was seeing in the numbers were totally different realities. Sure.
0: And it's real. I mean, we've all probably heard the stat. Um, it's it's 50% not only outside yeah. the church, but in the church. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I, I think I've even said that, you know, throughout throughout too. my <laughs> ministry where it's like, oh, it's 50%, it's no different in the church. But it's just not true. No, it's just not true. it is
1: not. So the, the numbers... Again, do you want me to just dive into yeah, what sort of I, we yeah. found? N- here's the thing: reality. I am simplifying something here for the sake of trying to do this quickly. That mm-hmm. is, you need to know this is really complicated, mm-hmm. and there are so many different ways. How do you even define the divorce rate, yeah. right? But if you, the one that I think is sort of the best starting point is according to the Census Bureau. Right now, as we're sitting here talking, 71% of people are still married to their first spouse. Hmm. Yeah. And guess what? The 29% that aren't still married to their first spouse, that includes everyone who was married for 50 years and their spouse died. That's not even the divorce rate. That's just marriages that have ended. And no one, like I said, no one knows exactly. It's really complicated why, but no one knows precisely what the divorce rate is. But we can get closer. Yeah. We know, according to those statistics, it has to be less than 29% for first marriages. Mm-hmm. And, and so if and that's death and divorce, and there's about a 14% rate of widowhood. You can kind of back in some other numbers and maybe estimate that maybe the first marriage divorce rate is more like 25%. Now, that's still way too high, but it's a universe different than what we've all believed. Mm -hmm. And it means you as a pastor or you as a friend, you can come alongside someone who is wrestling Mm -hmm. and you can say, you know what? You're going to make it. Most people do. Mm -hmm. That's a completely different feeling. Yeah. Especially when you're starting out in a marriage Mm -hmm. to know that most marriages last a lifetime.
0: Yeah. But and it moves it from, from this crazy doom and gloom thing yes. to, to man. There's there is truly hope yes. for you. you know I, mean? I mean, that's what we're about as Christ yes. followers is sharing, is sharing hope to yes. people all around us. This book has so many um, those myths about marriage and divorce. Share some of the other uh, findings in there that you think, man, um, Christ followers, especially the church, yes, they need to grab a hold of these and understand. Um, some of these myths.
1: Well, how many, how, just I want to kind of ask, Go how, for ma- it. how many of you have heard, and I've said, and Pastor, it sounds like you've said, that the rate of divorce is the same in the church. How many of you have heard that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, look at this. It's almost 100%, right? Yeah. And here's, here is what we we found as we were doing this. The only reason that people believe that, the only reason, is that there is a giant misunderstanding of the George Barna studies about Mm -hmm. this. Barna studies a lot of stuff about the church, and everybody believes Barna found that, and he didn't because he never studied people in the church. That study was only looking at belief systems like you know, you call people on the phone, and if they answer in sort of a Christian way or a Jewish way or an atheist way, mm-hmm. those groups had the same divorce rate. Sure. But he specifically excluded whether they went to church from the analysis, because wow. that wasn't what his study was trying to do. So, what I did is I partnered with Barna and I bought that same data set. Mm-hmm that everyone thinks found that. Mm -hmm. I bought the same data set, and we re-ran all the numbers, but with this one factor added back in that they had asked of, Mm -hmm. was the person in church last week, Mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't designed to study that, but we happened to be able to run that one factor. And if the person was in church last week, according to the Barna numbers and every other study that's ever been done on this, the divorce rate plummets. There was a big Harvard study that just came out last year that found the same thing that we see from Barna and some other numbers, which is that on average, the average churchgoer has a 50% lower divorce rate risk than a non-churchgoer. 50%. And there's plenty of groups that have much, even more. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's just every, and here's the crazy part. (laughs) The divorce rate thing, the actual sort of, mainstream divorce rate, that's a controversial thing to study because you're in all sorts, there's all sorts of different numbers and all sorts of different data sets you can look at. So it's yeah. controversial. Amongst demographers, there is no controversy mm. about the rate of the divorce, divorce in the church mm. being lower. Every single demographer in the country knows that that's true. Yeah. It's just that every pastor and church goer doesn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So it's time to like
0: wake up, encourage people. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. and and to realize your young people, people in difficulty can look around the church and go, no, this is actually really cool. That most of these marriages are strong and resilient and happy for a lifetime, and that it matters whether you actually get yourself in this community.
0: I think it's somewhat obvious, but. The dangers, then, of we as Christ followers and leaders in the church believing some of these myths is just, it's it's unbelievable. You know what I mean?
1: Sorry, it's a lie from the pit. It makes me so mad because it discourages people and it discourages pastors unnecessarily because I've talked to so many pastors who said, you know, they'd stand on stage and they'd be talking about marriage or whatever and they'd be thinking to themselves, if the rate of divorce here, despite all this pouring out of my life into this ministry, if the yeah. rate of divorce here is the same as it is out there, all my work doesn't mean very much. Yeah, And it's not true. Mm-hmm. It, it, it matters whether we do what God yeah. says.
0: I mean, it, whenever I was looking through some of your book, just the, the enemy is the great deceiver, isn't he? And the, one of the ways that, that he will do that for us is, yeah. is just give <laughs> subtle lies. Yeah. And then we will think, well, that's truth. You know yeah. what I mean? resulting in us being just completely and utterly hopeless.
1: Discouraged. Discouraged,
0: you know, discouraged. What were some other things, anything else you wanted to share about the good news about marriage that would be uh, worth us uh, learning about?
1: Okay, so real quick, I know that there are some folks in here who are remarried. Mm -hmm. And I I was telling one of the couples yesterday that was on a second marriage just how different the numbers are if you know someone who is remarried or if you yourself are. It seems to me, from what I can tell, that in that community, there's this huge belief in these huge divorce rate numbers. Like, people think there's a 66% divorce rate for second marriages, for example, and a 72% divorce rate for third marriages. That's kind of, that's what you see when you Google it and, and whatever. And so my senior researcher and I, as we were going through this, We kept seeing those numbers, too, and we wanted to find the studies that said that so we could look at the methodology. Because like with the Barna study, we found out that he didn't actually study that, right? And so we traced every book, every newspaper reference, every magazine, every television reference, every blog to try to find the citations to to, to sort of be able to find that study that said that. And every one of those sources traced back to one of three sources that don't exist. (laughs) It's a pure urban legend. Pure urban legend. Literally my favorite one is this article in Psychology Today that so many people quoted. Mm -hmm. And you know, Psychology Today is a respected... You know, magazine and respected publication. And it said, you know, there was this quote from Dr. Jennifer Baker, who's a respected researcher um, on these kinds of things in Missouri. And it said, Dr. Jennifer Baker has found a 50% divorce rate, first marriages, 66 per second, second, et cetera. You know, on. Sure. So we emailed her and said, can we get access to this study? And she emailed us back in all capital letters. <laughs> And it said, that's not me. I never said that. I've been trying to get them to take my name off that that. website for years. It just kills me. The real numbers, nobody knows exactly again, but it's so much better. Mm -hmm. Just like 71% of people are still married to their first spouse, 65% are still married Mm -hmm. to their second Mm -hmm. spouse. The 35% who aren't, again, that's death and divorce. You're getting married at older ages. So probably death is a higher rate in there, maybe a 30% divorce rate, or honestly, you could look at the numbers and say remarriages could actually have a lower Mm -hmm. divorce rate than first marriages. So again, still too high, but it's so different Mm -hmm. than what we've been told. And so many people going into first or second marriages feel like they need to protect themselves, Mm -hmm. and they need to keep the little bank account on the side just in case, you know, or whatever. And those actions often build a wall. And they cause the problems you're trying to protect themselves yeah. from. And so to be able to know, no, you can be all in. Mm-hmm. And really, you can live this all-in marriage yeah. life the way God designed it to. Does these
0: facts just lead us to, man, marriage is just hard. Yeah. It's deep. Maybe even, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I'm built for that. Why, is, why are some of those thoughts so dangerous to... To us.
1: That's, that is the other mess that we are debunking is, you know, I don't know, I don't think we said this yesterday, but it's so easy for us to say, you know, marriage is hard. You know, pastors sometimes will say this at weddings, marriage is hard. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. And it's from like, here, I'm sorry, that's luck. not the best advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, and, and I think the issue is what we mean is marriage takes hard work at times. And but there's nothing inherently complicated about marriage, right? It's not like you need a degree in psychotherapy. (laughs) You know, God designed this institution so that really truly learning a few little things and trying things differently can sometimes make really big differences. And so understanding some of that allows you a little more freedom to jump in and try because yeah. you, you know it's not going to take three years of psychotherapy in, in most cases. That's right. Yeah.
0: And in return, giving you hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most certainly. One of the things that uh, yesterday uh, that I love about Jeff and, and Chante is they um, just give such practical teaching and such practical uh, advice for us as, as we navigate through our marriages and really… I know for us as guys, like, we want a handle to grab onto, you know, so that we can, <laughs> let's just, what, what do you want us to do? And that was kind of the route one of the talks went, you know, went yesterday. And yeah. um, in, in her book, uh, The Kindness Challenge, uh, 30 Days of Kindness, we're going we're gonna to talk about that for a little bit uh, as, we, as, we, as we move towards the end of today. Um, but it's one of those uh, things that Bible, the Bible declares so much. It's a fruit of the Spirit, right? In Galatians 5, you read about Kindness being in there, uh, that kindness—it's if if is in the Bible numerous, numerous times. I think it's Ephesians four thirty-two. It talks about uh, be kind to one another, right, um, uh, and, and 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 forgiving one another. It's one of the ways that we not only relationally, but in our marriages, truly show Christ to the world because yes, we survey. Yes. we we think of a God sometimes as up here like this, but we serve a kind God, yeah. a, a, a gracious God, a God full of mercy. And uh, I just want to look at this for a little bit and and have you share with us um, kind of what was your thoughts behind uh, the kindness challenge. You
1: know, it's it's an outgrowth or an outworking of this idea that marriage doesn't have to be so complicated Mm. and that sometimes these little changes can have really big impacts. And so we started looking at this and sort of what does this mean you know how do you what do you do differently what's if you're going to do just one thing you know one initiative one whatever habit what would make a big difference mm-hmm. and um and we we actually had gone back and looked at all of the studies that we had done because right now we're in the middle of our ninth big sort of national study and we looked at all of the others and saw that there's this thread running through all of them, which seemed like a good place to start um, because we sort of feel like we're, um, God wants us to try to dig out those little things that help us thrive in our life or relationships. And the thread that we saw is that whether you thrive in your life and whether you thrive in your relationships, it turns out it is far more correlated to how you treat other people than how you yourself are being treated.
0: Hmm. Imagine that. Imagine how
1: <laughs> God would say, yeah. imagine that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's remarkable because wow. we think, and it's natural instinct for all of us, I guess, human tendencies, sin, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I don't know about you, but when I feel like something's not fair yeah. or someone's not treating me right, I automatically get my back up and I'm, like, thinking the way that I'm going to be happy yes. is if I can make you treat me right. Yeah. And, and, I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting fairness. You know, I mean, Anson was quoting the scripture that was God is a lover of fairness, you know, right, that he's a lover of justice. Mm. Um, there's nothing wrong with sort of desiring that, but it turns out if you want to thrive, if you want to have that joyful life, it, it, it's actually the reverse of what you think which yeah. is instead of trying to insist on somebody treating you right, yeah. you focus on how you're treating others That's so cool. and that will change how you thrive so it, it basically it turned out it was all about being kind hmm. and um, and the problem with that is that we all already think we are kind
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to work on that yeah then, right? we, we don't
1: we don't realize we're all actually a little deluded yeah. <laughs> we're we're really not as kind as we think we are.
0: Yeah. Unpack then the the big 30-day uh, kindness challenge yeah. that you have written in there.
1: So we what we did is we actually sort of tried with a study group of people. We tried all these different things. We're like, okay, if you do this for 30 days, what happens yeah. statistically before and after? Okay, try this, you know. And so what eventually came out of that was we call it the 30-day kindness challenge and it's really simple it's it's to do three things every day for 30 days and you pick someone that you want a better relationship with and it's awesome to do this for a spouse you know we're talking about marriage but you don't have to mm-hmm. I mean this works with any relationship yeah um I mean, like, you know, maybe you do it with your child. I I did this for, at the time, our daughter was 16. She's 18 now, but, you know, 16 when we were doing this. And, I mean, she's a great kid, but she could roll her eyes with the best of them. And my (laughs) head was just, you know. And I wanted a better relationship with her before, you know, she left home and went off to college. And um, so I did it for her. Um, You know, some people did it for their mother-in-law, you know, just whatever. Or maybe some of you, it's your daughter-in-law, you know? (laughs) I don't know. Um, But here's what you do is you have that one person, and for 30 days, you do these three things. The first is you say nothing negative about that person, either to them or about them to somebody else. Nothing negative. See, even the Broadcasting system. It's as that that's as important. It's been. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nothing negative. And and honestly, saying nothing negative, not just to them, but about them to somebody else, we don't realize that is so often where we sabotage mm-hmm. our relationships. If I'm in a difficult season with Jeff, I can be polite to him, but if I go to my girlfriend's you can let them and. Know. And let them know? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, oh, you would not believe what he did yesterday. I don't realize it. I'm totally sabotaging how I feel about him. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first thing, nothing negative. Second thing every day for 30 days is to find one thing you can sincerely praise, one thing you can sincerely affirm about this person, and you tell them and you tell somebody else. And so, you know, I can't complain that Jeff did such and such because I'm saying nothing negative for 30 days. But I'm looking for things to praise, you know. And so I notice, you know, he, he left this, you know, work early in order to take our son to something with a track meet so I could stay home and work on something related to the book or, you know, whatever. And I tell him thanks for that. Like I notice that and how much I appreciate that. And then the next day, I go to my girlfriend's. I'm like, you know what he did yesterday? Yeah. He came home from work early and put his own stuff aside. And, and you're kind of reinforcing Yeah. That. Talk
0: about renewing the mind. I mean, and re, you know what I mean? It really Rewiring is. Rewiring how you process all Yeah. that.
1: Yeah. And, um, and so <laughs> the third thing every day for 30 days is just to do a small action of generosity for them. A small action of kindness. And, um, you know, like I said, it's not just about marriage. Like with my daughter... You know, we, we tend to think of acts of kindness as being equivalent to acts of service. Mm. You know, you bring somebody a cup of coffee or whatever. Yeah. And that's fine. But it's generosity goes way beyond that. Like for my daughter, I'd be working on my computer and, you know, working on a deadline. And she'd come running in and be like, hey, mom, can you watch this little YouTube video with me? And it used to be, unfortunately, I'd be like, in an hour, honey. <laughs> Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's an action of generosity to turn my attention from what I'm doing and focus on her right then when she's excited, not an hour from now. Yeah. And that says to this person, whatever that action of generosity is, it says you're valuable yeah. to them.
0: That is so good.
1: We, we found if you do those three things, 89% of relationships improved. Wow. 89%. Yeah. No, and by the way, it was the same whether it was a marriage or a mother-in-law or your child or your colleague that you want a better relationship with. It, it actually was really interesting. It was yeah. literally 89% across the board, which was yeah. kind of weird, but that's what it was. That's good.
0: And man, and in the age of distraction, and yeah. we're just so busy. What a gift to put it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or to stop and to, to, to show them kindness yeah. in that way. Um, it goes against everything in us. There's, uh, one of the things that we, that's in your book and talked about is the seven patterns of, of negativity. Um, the thing really we despise in people, we don't like to be around negativity. We don't like yeah. to be around a combative type people. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, share us a little bit about some of those patterns that you've uh, you've researched.
1: Well, because unfortunately, we think that yeah, nobody likes being around somebody who's critical, you know, or <laughs> negative, or combative. But I can
0: be that way. Yeah, 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 but
1: well, actually, the problem is is we think yeah, but that's those people. Yeah. You know, because like when I started talking about kindness, I'm sure people in the room were like, oh man, I wish Jennifer were here. <laughs> I wish, I, I wish you know, yeah. Brad was, was sitting here, you know, he needs this. And we don't realize we all have these patterns of negativity and unkindness. We actually identified seven mm-hmm. of them. And, and I will, <laughs> I'll admit, okay, I'll tell you mine <laughs> because I will confess, I was like what you said, like, well, I'm going to have to work on the actions of kindness and the words, you know, praise, but yeah. I'm not negative. I, you know, I don't have this. And then once we started cataloging these different types, I realized, oh, my gosh, I am negative every single stinking day because one of the patterns of negativity is exasperation. And I get exasperated with my kids all the time. And I don't realize that, like, for example, our son, he, when we were doing this, he was in seventh grade, and he's a great kid, but he has some learning issues, and maybe not that organized, and, like, we would work for, you know, three hours on a science project, and then he would forget to turn it in. <laughs> Please tell me I'm not the only one, that, that, like, just, oh, and I'd be like, buddy, come on, we worked on this, how could you do this? You know, my voice is rising, I've got yeah. that exasperated tone. I don't realize... That what I'm saying to him with that sort of demeanor is, "You're an idiot." Like, would I ever use those actual words mm. with my sweet son? No way. But that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, or at least that's what he's hearing. Sure. So the seven—that's one of the seven patterns. Oh. And here's another one. I'll just—I just don't yeah, want to go more. too no, far into this. But these are good. Here's another one, this is gonna hit a lot of us in the room, believe it or not, is sarcasm. Hmm. I had a pastor in once the hide under he, here. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was talking yeah. to one pastor, and he said in front of the congregation, he's like, but that's my spiritual gift. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and, and here's the thing that we found about sarcasm is everybody loves joking around, right? There's nothing wrong with that at all. The issue is more nuanced than that. It's if everybody listening to you in your sarcastic self <laughs> and, and especially the person you're talking to, if everybody knows that there's 100% goodwill between you and this person, you completely unconditionally love and appreciate them, yeah. then it's just funny. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. But if there's any doubt at all about whether there's that 100% unconditional care, that person might be laughing, you know, <laughs> and on the inside, they're kind of going, did, did she mean that? Mm. Did, did he mean that? Like, behind every joke, there's a little bit of truth. Is that, is that how they feel? And they start building a wall, and so it's amazing what happens when you start trying to cut out all sarcasm. This is just for 30 days, remember? But you realize, oh, my goodness, like I had no idea I was doing this so much. Yeah. And, and it isn't that you have to cut it out in your whole life. Like you're doing this for one person. Mm-hmm. And it's really actually important at the beginning, the first time you do it, to only do it for one person because that's where you get the full impact of, wow, here's how often I do this, but then your eyes are open to it, like, wow, this pattern is in other areas of my life.
0: You, you mentioned it just a minute ago, but one of the things we can easily go down the path of doing is just, just feel like we're venting, you know what I mean, with yeah. somebody. Why is, why does that, that can be so dangerous for us? Give, give us a little bit, you wrote about that.
1: We We think and and i used to think that venting was a little was healthy yeah. basically it's you know this idea that even the word venting implies out, you're right? letting the steam out <laughs> that's right so that it doesn't explode you know yeah. the pot doesn't explode and it turns out the neuroscientists over the last 5 7 years have actually found that that is completely inaccurate neurologically mm. and that when you vent Especially if it's venting for the pleasure of venting, not because, gosh, I, I need some advice. You know, seeking support, that's a different thing. Venting is like this, could you believe what she did? Okay? And, and what happens is it actually activates, they've discovered, activates this interconnected anger system in the brain. So a better analogy isn't venting steam, a better analogy is you're turning the heat up under the pot Mm. when you do that. And that when you refuse to do that, and you take, it's almost like you're taking the pot off the the burner. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're focusing on the good things instead, it's like you're putting a lid on and the steam just kind of goes away and you're not as angry anymore.
0: That's good. Um, We're going to be wrapping up here in a minute, Obviously, for us, we just touched the surface with yeah. the kindness challenge, and but what a what a gift if someone were to not be a, an attender of this church and to to walk out and say, "Man, that was the most kind group of people that I've ever been around." That would be that'd be one of the proudest moments for me as a pastor to hear that, and I did hear that last Friday night with our comedy night. Uh, this weekend we had more guests. We had somebody drive in from Toronto, and he said, "Man, your church was so welcoming, so loving, so kind." Are they here today? Where's your hand. Are you up in the balcony? Where are I they at? They were up in the no, they're not. They're not there anywhere to be found. I think they left. They were at your hotel last night. <laughs> um, but just what a gift to be the gift of kindness, the fruit of the spirit uh, to one another. What are ways we can um, really grab a hold of this and get to understand it more? Some resources for us. Where would you drive us?
1: so the the best place to go probably is to look at jointhekindnesschallenge.com. com
0: jointhekindnesschallenge dot com mm-hmm. right. it's
1: it's a, a ministry partner actually stepped forward and sponsored this whole big website so that people could you know, get again. What are those three things? Um, but also so you can literally sign up for thirty days of reminder emails if you want. Mm. Like it has a little a reminder each day and a little bit of coaching, mm-hmm. you know, kinda what do you do if you want to kill your husband instead? <laughs> um, you know, is that that, clicked on a line? Yeah, yeah. Is, is, um, is, and and or your you know, or your kid or you know, whatever. Um yeah. But but theres there is some of that there's those thirty days of reminder emails, but but also there's some assessments um, so you can actually see where are you starting, mm-hmm. right? Like what's sort of your kindness level at the beginning? Yeah. Um, because you know, again, we think we're better at it than we are and um, and also even like small group stuff like yeah. videos and stuff to be able to do this in a, in a home group or whatever. And it's a, thankfully, because of this amazing ministry mm-hmm. partner, it's all free. It's all completely open source. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. As we finish, what would be a closing word that you would say to us, an encouraging word about, man, keep going yeah. when it comes to marriage, uh, keep fighting the fight, keep running yeah. the race. Um, share us with us final words.
1: You know, I, Jeff and I were really impressed when we were here yesterday um, because you clearly are a church that loves one another. And you're clearly a community of people that cares. And um, and that is a fantastic foundation to build on. Um, and it the thing that's amazing about this is that we found when it comes to marriage, because it is all about hope, mm. is recognize that you are in a group of people. You're in a body of believers that care about you. Yeah. And even you may be feeling kind of isolated. Like some people tend to be isolated, especially if they're in a difficult point. Don't stay isolated. You know, reach out because you've got a great group of people here yeah. who are willing to come alongside you. That's so good. And, um, and just and recognize, like Jeff said yesterday, it's not just you fighting for you. It's God fighting for your marriage as That's well.
0: Right. Yeah, the author of our marriage. It's yeah. so cool. Hey, we're going to wrap up today, and, um, and Shanti will be out at her table afterwards. If you were here yesterday, it was so much goodness, and then again today, um, if you want to get some of her books, you're welcome to do that. That One of the, the, the great uh, uh, commandment to us is, is to love God and to love others, to love others well, and we're all on that journey of where we are learning and we're growing, um, and it never ends, where we're learning to love one another uh, just as God loves us, so God thank you so much for the gift of marriage for relationship. you made us to be relational beings, and God, I just pray uh, uh over these coming moments these coming weeks and months that you would you would help us uh, to do our part to be the right person uh, in our marriages, to love our spouse like 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 you love us God that we would We would literally be willing to lay down our life for them as you did for us. Father, thank you for the gift of family. And God, for the ones in here today that may find themselves in a tough spot relationally or in their marriage. God, I pray that you would fill them with hope. That you would let them know that there's hope. Help them to lean into you and to lean into the church in this time. And we give you all the praise and glory for all the good that you have in store. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.